You are listening to Abnormal Spaces. I'm Donnie. I'm Ryan. In this podcast, we discuss conceptual realities, the researchers, authors, and explorers who describe and define them, as well as our personal experiences in these abnormal spaces. Episode 1. In this episode, we will discuss Robert Monroe, the Monroe Institute, the Gateway Project, astral projection, out-of-body experiences, and much more. to CIA.gov and went to the, there's a reading room and has Freedom of Information Act stuff. And I, uh, I downloaded and I can share this with you. It's from June of 1983 and it's from the department of the army and it's in reference to the gateway experience. So, yeah. So, um, it's got graphs or uh, illustrations, not really graphs. It's got illustrations and stuff, but, um, so the author of this letter is Wayne McDonnell, uh, and he was a commander um, in the Army. And so uh, I don't know if you've heard of the Monroe Institute. Oh, yeah. 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 So mm-hmm. this is directly from Monroe stuff. Oh, cool. Yeah. So they they end up identifying um, the particular waveforms that will help you get to whichever plane that you want to get to. So, and the, the one that is like our home plane is kind of a, a nice low, like, hmm sound. And, um, there, are, and so then it, it, there are higher pitch sounds, lower pitch sounds and stuff. And anyway, um, it's really fascinating. There are all of these different planes of existence and, um, different people have been able to access them and then, you know, report what they found. So yes, some of this was used for remote remote viewing. That's what the army was most interested in. Um, but some of it was just to explore. And so, uh, apparently it's slightly easier to go back to a point in time, uh, what we consider back, um, as opposed to going forward, but going forward can happen. You can do that. It's just more difficult. But it's always kind of like just a probability. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I guess critics would argue that, oh, well, you're just inducing these different dream states and these are just dreams. And it's like, well, maybe, but, you know, that's that's just our definition of what a dream even is, you know. But what's really interesting to me is that, and it doesn't say this in this particular paper, but I found this elsewhere online, um, that one of the planes is what we in like a Western culture would consider kind of a hellish plane. Oh, yeah. Uh, everything's terrible. Uh, and then the, the final plane 
um, you you can't come back from if you go there. What happens is is you become just pure energy, and so you're not able to return to your body. The cord cuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And then you're just floating as energy. Mm-hmm. And but what was fascinating to me was the depth of this paper. Um, on all of the different things identified uh, and, you know, the fact that the Army spent quite a long time working on this and, like, researching it and having these subjects. And so to hear a lieutenant from the Army essentially saying that, oh, yeah, this is all 100% true and, you know, here's the steps necessary to achieve these certain things and, yeah, it's wild. Yeah, that's... um I started with uh, Robert Monroe when I was having uh, lucid dream stuff happening to me, and I I can't remember how I came across him. I think it was his book. That, so he wrote he wrote three books, and uh, one was this first one was Journeys Out of the Body, and in the first book it's really cool because you know he was a radio like an engineer, and he knew a lot of things about recording and and broadcast and frequencies and everything. And he was also like, I think he was like a pilot. And um, he started having um, out-of-body experiences uh, for no reason. And it was freaking him out. And uh, instead of getting afraid of it, I guess he just like dove into it. And he came up with a binaural beat yeah. Technology. Yeah. You know, uh, you, you shoot like, say, 440 hertz in the left ear and you shoot, you know, 445 hertz in the right ear. And what your brain, it goes, mum, 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 mum. And that's the five hertz oh. between the two. Oh, interesting. Right. So that that actually is basically syncing your both hemispheres of your brain. Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a ton of that. I have the, ta- I have the tapes. Oh, cool. And, awesome. and the CDs of like <laughs> two different ones. Oh, that's awesome. So the cassettes, yeah, there were cassettes, you know. Right, it, yeah. The CDs were, were better like as far as the tones, but now there's so much stuff with binaural beats. So I have the Luma 10, which is, uh, I got it a long time ago too, but it's just a box that's digital and it has pre-made programs that do these ramp ups and ramp downs with all these binaural beats and other things that I don't even know about now. Yeah. And and it has glasses with it and it's got LEDs that sync with it. So oh. when you close your eyes, you can see these ramps of flashes and I mean it's like a trip. Oh well, yeah, it sounds it's like a trip. It. <laughs> and it'll put you in some weird spots, man. You'll be like flipping backwards and Doing all kinds of stuff. Yeah. I'll let you borrow it. You just that use it. That sounds really cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I was new to the term hemi-sync and hemisphere-sync. So uh, just a quick search, and I found this uh, entire website dedicated to it. And you could choose, like, if you needed some kind of meditative thing or some kind of, like, um, uh, something to help with past trauma or uh, something, you know, just different things that you can holistically heal yourself by listening to these guided kind of meditations with these tones uh, to get your, because that was one of the things that I found from this paper was that Monroe, and it sounds like exactly what you were saying, that he he really believed that if you could get the two hemispheres of the brain to, to work together, that you could not that they don't, but uh, to work together in a, in a particular way that you could achieve particular goals, um, you know, and, and some of that is actually like healing yourself. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's not just, you know, um, you know, meeting the space alligators that control everything. It's also, you know, uh, 
Or like sports. Yeah. Or, you know, people in sports, I mean, they, they have to sync up to be in the zone. Like well, right, the, yeah. the zone is probably uh, a synchronization of your brain hemispheres. Yeah, I would imagine. What's cool about the hemisync, I think, is that you have, if you're hearing, mum, 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 because both tones are straight sine waves. Right, yeah. So if you're hearing that, that means that, that it's synced. That's so cool. So it's like it's almost like it's just immediate. Yeah. It's like you don't have to achieve it because if you're hearing that sound, you're like, oh, it's already happening. Yeah. So then you just relax and, you know, but that's the, that's the part that takes a little bit of uh, practice and and calming yourself down and getting relaxed because that's a whole thing too you know it's, yeah that's the thing that I had the most trouble with yeah I I was just uh, kind of astounded by the amount and that's just the first document that I found there are more documents uh, on that um, reading room on the CIA.gov um, and, you know, I'm on a list now, but that's okay. I was probably already on a list anyway. <laughs> yeah, we're all on a list. But, yeah, sure. but well, I thought it was really fascinating, too. Like, I had heard that the um, reptilian overlord thing was a anti-Semitic thing, and it, it very well could be, uh, and there's lots of evidence um, to support that. But when several of these people went to this particular plane, they all reported the same thing. Um, these alligator like creatures that were like running things. And so it's like, okay, well wait, which, which came first and did the concept of the reptilian overlord thing get co-opted by, um, you know, Nazi types and anti-Semites or, or what? Like what? I I have a lot of questions about that, and that's something I haven't found a lot of evidence on, is like what what these people saw, um, why they thought that that these reptilian alligator things were in control. Like what what made them think they were in control? I guess is another thing that I don't understand. Um, and then uh, there was one person reported like a real malevolent feeling. Um, like there was a council of like 12 of these things or something like that. Um, so, and then you have to also wonder how, how much of their own baggage are they bringing to it? Mm, yeah. You know, and, and if, if that's the filter through which you see things anyway, then are you just going to take that same filter with you to, to another plane and see everything that way as well? Rosalind McKnight was one of his students. And what was crazy about her is she would go under and she could talk in real time as it was happening. Oh, nice. So there's a book. I have a book. It's called uh, Cosmic oh. Journeys, My Out-of-Body Explorations with Robert A. Monroe. It's, it's one session after another of just mind-blowing shit. And she's just reporting what she's seeing as she's... In real time. She'll report from another perspective of, of like, beings that are in the room. Oh. And they'll be like... We're going to take over this consciousness to explain to you better. And she's basically out there flying around doing whatever the hell she wants to do. Yeah. Right? Oh, wild. Yeah. And it, and it ties in with Dolores Cannon and the hypnotherapy stuff. I mean, it's all the same shit. It's yeah. like channeling it, all that stuff. It's a different consciousness, like almost riding the frequency of your personal vibration. Yeah. To me, I'm like, okay, so, 
you know, vibrations, you know, we have cosmic vibrations, we have, you know, radio waves, we have all, we have all this stuff, sound, which one is most effective? Right. You know, because people are using sound and I've always wondered, you know, like, and Tesla always comes to my mind because I'm like, I know that shit works because I've seen it and I've messed with it. Yeah. But not in that way, you know, like in training your just like pulling you out into a new frequency or like yeah. without you having to practice anything. You, well, or is there uh, like some kind of shortcut device which uses like, you know, electroshock or something, right? you know, put some different energy right. in there. Yeah. Well, and, and light, I mean, um, you had mentioned the glasses earlier and, and I think that the light waves because of them being energy waves as well, I would imagine that, if you could do some kind of combination with light, sound, and, you know, electricity or something like that, that yeah. you could probably jumpstart it, you know? Yeah. I mean, that Luma 10, man, uh, light and sound is v- very, very powerful. Yeah. Um, as far as putting you in a, a pinpoint state, I think maybe in a Monroe book or in the Rosalind McKnight book, there was a meeting place that her and this person she always met— it was like a guide? Yeah, or? it was like a guide. <laughs> and they would meet in this the same spot every time. And he called it the outer rings or the outer... Like there was a certain spot where the, it was in space and she said she could see the the different rings coming off of the earth, like ah, different sort right. of energetic rings. Yeah, yeah. And they would meet out at a certain ring of, of, vibra- of frequency. Yeah. And... All she had to do was like think about his face or think about it was like something really simple. And then it would just be like, doom, and she'd be there at, at when she went under. Wow. And I think it's kind of happened at towards the end of the book and th- like she could just kind of do it at will. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah, the, the gateway experience. Um, so there are 28 levels. And I wonder if those levels are similar to those rings. Probably. You know, and and I've been calling them planes because that's how well, I imagine planes, them. But, but yeah. yeah, but it's all the same, essentially, you know. Um, yeah, because that 28th one is the... Oh, yeah. The, and in his book, he went to the place where you said you, you can't come back from. Mm-hmm. And what he saw was... It's funny because it's like the last boss, you know. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. it was like it was a, it was a terrifying hellish god and it was saying you can't go past this yeah and basically in reality his body was kind of going pale and he was getting cold and his heartbeat had slowed to a a really crazy point and they were getting like worried about him yeah interesting Yeah. yeah so the thing he talks about the most is like nothing can hurt you when you're astrally traveling like you can't you're you're undestroyable oh interesting and i don't think that he's talking about your body but he's like it's safe for your body because the the hardest thing about astral travel is staying out because of the excitement that you have if you think about your body for one split second you snap right back you can't be out long enough. You yeah. want to be out way longer. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or you yeah. got to pee, but, you know? <laughs> right. Well, yeah. But but as, as soon as the thing we call ourselves recognizes that we are outside of ourselves 
our and body that we our, think we're ourselves. Yes. Yeah. Once that happens, then you've you've doomed it. Like you you have to go back immediately. It's like uh, it's like some forbidden knowledge thing or something. Um, I would imagine. Yeah. It's just it's controlling excitement and fear. And and that's in everything. Like really, if you can control your excitement and your fear, you can do anything. Right. Yeah. You're unstoppable at that point. Because it's all made up anyway. Like the fear is just made up. Sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, to some degree, a lot of things are lies we tell ourselves. You know. Oh yeah. <laughs> fear especially. Yeah, I um, read shit like you know, I, people will be talking about. Like reptilians and shit yeah. and like all that. And I mean, okay, but, you know, do I want to be in the room with this person and that negative ass shit that right. they're always yeah. talking about? Like, no, I don't yeah. want to be in that. You yeah. Know? Well, and that's another thing, too, like how how negative energy rubs off on you and positive energy rubs off on you. You know, it's it it's the same kind of thing. What we what a lot of people uh, have difficulty realizing is that it's it's not the me and you it's the energy and energy and so of course negative and positive energy is going to influence our energy in some way oh yeah because we look at ourselves as a solid body yeah. like two people talking and you're like why do i like this person yeah. you know like or maybe you don't have anything in common with the person and you just you guys just get together and you just start Going off. Yeah. Like. You're just drawn together. What is it? Right. You yeah. know? Yeah. It, well, it's some kind of harmonious frequency is, you know. Yeah. That's what I you're think. D- you're synced up. Yeah. It's like you're, you're, you're hemi-synced. It's been probably 25 years at least. There was a book um, that talked about social allergies and, and what they were getting at was some people just have a natural aversion to other people and it is it is like an allergy you begin putting up defenses uh when you're around these personality types or whatever and they do the same for you and whatever and i'm just wondering how much of that is actually just vibrational um discordance like you know oh totally or both learned patterns and that yeah. and, and vibrational discordance i think because you can know immediately yeah if you're sensitive enough you can walk in a room i can walk in a room and be like nope 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 okay cool and then yeah. go right over here yes yeah uh yeah no i i recently was just you know vindicated or validated however you want to say it but uh, a woman i know um about not even a year ago this other woman that i know went to work there and the first woman we're actually friends the other woman i'd only met twice before and i said watch out for her uh, you can't trust her. And she's like, how do you know? And I was like, I just know. And so I just had lunch with her like a couple of weeks ago. And she was like, you are so right. She was like, how, how'd you know? I was like, I just, I know, you know, yeah. <laughs> when you know, you know, when you know, you know. Yeah. And it wasn't even necessarily anything that that person said or did. It's just the energy that came off of them. I knew was not trustworthy energy mm. i could just tell yeah and uh and you know and i'm not magic or anything um any more than anyone else is that's just i i try my best to feel my energy and to try to 
let it tell me rather than try to interpret what I think I'm feeling. Exactly. And I know that's a lot of I'ms and, and all no, that. No, no, it doesn't. But that doesn't matter. I mean, because we're I'ms as yeah. far as anybody's concerned. Like we're all I. Yeah. I went to this um, salt room down in Owensboro, and I I didn't like it. The entire room was like Himalayan salt, and uh, it did have salt floors, salt walls, all salt. And you go in, and you sit in there for half hour or so. And um, the way it made me feel was r- really strange. Um, I honestly felt like I was getting sick. Uh, like I, I felt like I couldn't breathe as well. Like a detox sort of feeling. Uh, yeah, it might have been that. Yeah. Um, I have no idea, but I was excited to try it because I thought it was going to be more sensory deprivation like. But I couldn't help but be off put by, you know, it's in a strip mall and you go in and like, it, it's like everything else, you know, d- drop ceiling and harsh lights and stuff. And then you go back in the room and it's like, you know, it's not a very good lead up. It's not a very good lead up. <laughs> and then when you're done, you walk back out into it and you're like, oh, here, here I am again, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so like whatever effect it may have had was, was severely diminished by the bookends, you know? Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> and, uh, I couldn't help but question like what was the thinking behind this salt room and what was the salt actually supposed to be doing for me? And if I concentrated on that, would it have a, a better effect? And if, if I didn't concentrate on it, would it have no effect at all? Like how much of it was me, the energy that is me making the effect happen and how much of it is me just recognizing an effect um, because I want to, or because I don't want to, you know, and it makes all of these experiences more difficult when you think about how you are impacting it and how like you, by virtue of you thinking about it, you are influencing how it's going to work. Oh, there's no way that you, you couldn't. And that's a problem. Well, it, it is a problem, but is it because if that's the only way it can really work? True, yeah. You know, like if it helps me or it intrigues me or it allows me to do some neat, weird stuff or whatever it is I'm trying to do, yeah, be, be happier or healthier or whatever it is, I'm part of that. Yeah. I have two Himalayan salt lamps. We have them upstairs. And man, I turn those things on every night and I just get a really nice feeling. I don't know what it is. It's the it's the light that it puts off. I it's love the, the light. Whatever it is, there's something about it, regardless of whether it's the light it puts off or whatever they say it's doing. I don't know. But I really like to have it on. <laughs> when, when, when my son was little, he would lick our salt lamp all the time. <laughs> yeah. And so finally we just got him his own so he could just sit in his room and lick the light. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> lick your lamp. <laughs> lick your lamp. If that's what, if that's what does it for you. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got a few of those different bowls, uh, the singing bowls, and um, the the tone is super pleasing, even though I'm not real skilled at making the tone continue uh, for very long. I I still very much appreciate it just for its centering ability, if nothing else. Mm. You can focus on it and like 
um, try to let those other thoughts, it's not even pushing them away so much as it is like diverting attention away from them and focusing on the sound that the bowl is making. So like I get that and I, I believe in that and agree with that. And I think the mechanism at play has to be the sound waves. It has to be the those particular waves influencing your brain in a certain way. And the energy field. And the energy field itself. Uh, I mean, because that stirs up. That's the other thing we don't think about. The waves actually stir up the particles all around us in various ways. Right. And also the harmonics, the distortions and the overtones from actually what from the physical size of the bowl mm-hmm. to anything that's in the bowl to whatever. I mean, because I, I think about it like, okay, yeah, hemisync, um, they, they, they focus on sine waves mm-hmm. mostly, right? And a sine wave, wave is a very pure wave. Yeah. Um, I think that's a flaw. I, I think. Okay. I feel like something that is physical or whatever we call this in in nature that resonates at certain, you know, like the glasses that you fill up and then you, the, the oh, crystal right. glasses, uh, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. That will freak you out yeah. if you do it long enough. Sure. And what I was thinking is singing bowls. I was like, well, I can do those glasses way easier. Yeah. And what if, I don't know, I sat there with like a, a dropper, if I could get something like a tuner, but that would measure hertz. Yeah. Yeah. And just put it by there and drop that until I get around the correct hertz of whatever. And then you could get two of them going at once. Or oh, yeah. Like that is actually a bunch of things happening. Yes. In that sound. Yes. And with the sine wave, it's just one thing. Yeah. The wave itself is somewhat immaterial. It's all of the other things in addition to the wave that cause the effect. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I guess the question then is if we know these waves in addition to the other things have various effects, you know, how difficult would it be, one, to catalog those things and and replicate those things, and then two... Would they work on every single person the same way? Right. And I would say that's impossible. Yeah. Uh, No, yeah, I would say that everyone's interpretation of it, even if it's like a fraction of a millimeter different. Yeah. You know, it's going to be a little different. But I think if you just kind of like, you're like, okay, here's 10 possible things that usually that's pretty much how it goes. But yeah. inside of each one of these things, like you have a lot of room to float around and whatever. Yeah. You might experience this range of shit or this range of stuff. I think maybe like that. Yeah. You know, like, but this one's generally happy. This one's yeah. generally like weird, you know. It's like someone, you know, decided that A440 was was the God note or the, the note. The the frequency to base all the other frequencies on, and then someone else came along. It's like I think it's a four thirty two. Four thirty two, and then there's like then the conspiracy starts about why everything's four forty because it's right disharmonious. Yes, yeah, and it keeps things in like sort of eh. yeah. When you play in four thirty two. I mean, I was tuning my instruments at four thirty two for a while. Were you really? And 
I can't say whether or not it was, I mean, I, I can't say anything. I, I didn't do it really for long enough, but like, I've thought about that a lot. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, I would rather hear music in that. Yeah. Just because like, I don't know, maybe it might have a little extra something. Yeah. Kick for me, you know, like, yeah. I don't know. Well, but then, so then the next question is, okay, maybe it's different for everybody. Like maybe I'm 441 and maybe someone's 437 and, right. you know, right. and then, so if that's the case, then can there ever truly be harmony unless we find, like, if I'm a 441 guy, do I need to find a complimentary tone like 468 or something, uh, you know, how does that work? You know, I think that the nature of organics is imperfect perfection. It's, it's it, the know. only order is chaos. Right. And the only chaos is order. It's the, right. Yes. So yeah. it's, it's energies, everything, <laughs> right. Everything comes back to that. Right. Yeah. But, but I really do feel that way. I really do feel like, like, you know, just looking at um, how we understand biology and, and how we understand the natural world, it is all chaotic, yet it follows certain patterns or, or we've assigned certain patterns to it to understand it. So because of that, it just makes me think that maybe we all have individual frequencies that are close and that are somewhat congruent, but um, are still unique enough. And that's what makes the thing that I call myself unique in, uh, in a field of other people that could potentially be me, but aren't because of one particular change or five particular uh, variances or, or whatever that is. Um, but I know what you're saying. You're, yeah. you're your signature, your thumbprint. Yeah, totally. Why not? Why not? Yeah. I mean, it's all just energy anyway. I mean, it's just like, why Why not? Like everything, anything's possible. So of course we're all different. Of course we see things different. And, you know, like we can all look at a tomato and see a different damn thing. Like, right. I don't yeah. know. You know, it's just. Yeah. It's a mystery. Now we're going to stimulate your ear. 